When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thirty auto bids will be handed out between now and next Sunday. That's May thirtieth. Kyle Shasberger and Michael Serber with another college baseball edition of College Sports Now on Twitter at Kyle Shas at L underscore Serberino. Big Ten, MAC, Mountain West. West Coast Conference not holding tournaments. Regular season champs will get the auto bids. Already none for the Pac-12 and the Big West in terms of tournaments. The Ivy League canceled their championships, enabling an extra at-large team this year. And tournament champions to be crowned this week include the A-Sun. First of two weeks, so really it's going to stretch out another week after this. But the Atlantic Sun starting this week, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, that's the SWAC, which really lifted the lid, broke the seal on Wednesday. Top seed Jackson State uh, getting underway and picking up a W. Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, the MEAC will crown their champ here. And the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, that's the MAC. First of two weeks for them, too. Some weird stuff serves with these two-week tournaments. I don't understand it. And then you got the Patriot League who started last week, off this week. Lehigh and Army are going to meet in Game 3 uh, or in a three-game series starting next week. So some wild and, and wacky tournament formats, uh, if you will, but I think I did a good job there breaking it down. Do you follow? Uh, you know, it's tough to follow sports in 2020, 2021 in general and, and kind of know what's going on at all times. So this is just par for the course. Let's round out this crazy season the same way we started it, with just absolute chaos. And you know what? The ACC comes out the big winner here because they don't look nearly as dumb as they usually do. No, and we'll get to that uh, from an attendance standpoint in just a moment. But you bring up the sports calendar. There's a couple of pockets throughout the year, Serbs, where we really, you know, sit back and gloat and say, man, this is the life. Like, this is the best time of the year. You know, you think about the Masters and March Madness, and you think about the fall with the start of college football and the NFL right after that. But, like, dude, low-key, 
this is another one of those stretches and, and we're just you know barely a month or two months removed from march madness and the masters and the start of spring but like my man we've got nba playoffs we've got stanley cup playoffs hey, it's peak horse racing season okay real, real um, quick real quick the play-in games were pretty awesome lebron against steph we we are recording the morning after those two went at it, the Warriors gave the Lakers Gosh. all they can handle. You got a hobbled, hobbled LeBron James, AD, who, you know, Draymond Green is his is his boogeyman. Like, you don't know how these this team is going to react. But, yeah, outside of outside of um, Jason Tatum dropping a fifth, what was it, a 50, 60-burger the other day? And that, that game really wasn't that competitive. But, like, yeah, these are intense moments. Like, the play-in stuff has really worked well, I thought, for the NBA. I love it. Yeah, and I love it. I, and it's interesting because – I've definitely been in the camp uh, for the past several years of, man, the NBA playoffs are way too long. But somehow them adding games to the playoffs, I'm like, it's pretty awesome. Pretty cool. I like this. They've tricked Dude, me. Dude, no doubt. No doubt. So horse racing, NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, and then you've got the PGA Championship, which is mm-hmm. getting started this weekend. Golf's second major since it had moved up in the calendar. That's at uh, – Kiwa Island, the ocean course out in South Carolina, so not far from us, where we uh, where we call home in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So you've got plenty of storylines surrounding that as, as golf ascends on our lives again this weekend. Rory McIlroy going for his fifth major. He'd be the 20th guy to do so. You've got uh, Jordan Spieth still trying to achieve that career grand slam and DJ playing in his home state. So a lot of things to follow with golf uh, on our mind this weekend. And then Serbs, this is the final regular season weekend for most leagues in college baseball. And the softball championships are getting underway this week with the NCAA tournament. So like, dude, a la carte, man, like the menu is full with things to occupy your life. And hey, man, we're going to have like 80 degree weather here. This weekend in North Carolina, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Peak yard weather. Peak baseball <laughs> weather. Peak insert anything at all here weather. And yeah, it's gonna. Here's the thing. It's an unfortunate. <laughs> it's a bit of a catch twenty two, right? It's so awesome to like go out and enjoy, like being able to do stuff. Finally, and the weather's nice. And I kind of just want to sit inside and watch college baseball. Is that bad? <laughs> it's not bad at all. I, I know I know you're going to find a way to get out and do your thing, especially in the yard. And, you know, you're, you're pandering a bit to our audience, but you're saying the right things because I know you're going to be following, uh, whether passively or actively at times, you will sit on your couch. You will watch some baseball. It's, it's inevitable this weekend. Uh, it's what we want to do because we want to bring you, uh, you know, diverse opinions and, and perspective from, from all the other sources and outlets uh, where you get your college baseball fix. So, you know, we're here for you, and, and we're certainly excited to be able to set the table for you here as we enter our final regular season week uh, of the year. And, and it's shredding season. I mean, I, I can't proceed any further without, you know, dropping that in as well. So life is good. Uh, I do want to, though, go go back to last week's podcast, Serbs, and you called me out for this after I said goodbye. And, and forgive me, you know, my mind was in a lot, a lot of other places last week. Um, I, I do want to start with this apology, and I KOD Northeastern's winning streak, okay, by highlighting their 18 wins in a row last week. The Huskies dropped back-to-back games to Delaware last weekend, ending the streak at 20 wins. No, really. Um, I did the listeners a disservice. Reckless behavior. It was inexcusable. It was out of character. I, I, I was blinded by the country club fairways of the grounds of the University of Alabama, to be honest with you, serves The charm of the Deep South. The beauty of the Deep South. Not to mention uh, 
the fanatic pace of life. And that's, I didn't give uh, my patented sign out to the podcast. So uh, with that said, we'll let listeners wait to listen all the way to the end to get an emphatic goodbye this week. And instead, I welcome you with hi with an H. <laughs> yeah. So way, hello, y'all. Yeah, way to go. Way to, way to re- totally redeem yourself. So you brought this up to me. And we'll get to college baseball, NCAA to allow max capacity, no masks, no distancing. Regional sites will be operating under whatever local statewide health officials and, and, and statewide official governments, whatever they're recommending and stating, you know, the, the stadiums, it'll be at their own discretion to follow those measures. So the NCAA is, is pulling back the reins, if you will, after that recommendation of no more than 50% a few weeks ago, which is great, which is awesome. Uh, but, Serbs, your gardening podcast is a great segue from the nice weather we have this weekend. That's about football, lifestyle podcast, hand in the dirt. Um, there's a Chicago influence and flavor to that because Michael Felder of Stadium TV uh, co-hosts or runs the show with you and Stephen Hartzell. And he's a Charlotte guy living in Chi-Town, my stomping grounds. And there were some Chicago people that also said hi or said bye. And you didn't know if that was a cultural thing based on where I grew up. So, you know, I was, I was offended in a way or at least insult, I insulted myself. I disappointed myself. But um, did I capture that the right way? Like maybe this is a regional thing that I grew up with because – I say it all the time around here, like when I see somebody, like I, I'm just, you know, I've, I've got a lot of energy, enthusiasm, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy, and I see someone, I'm like, hi, and then, and then when I say bye, you know, on a conference call, virtually, whatever, face-to-face, I'll say bye, and people don't know what I'm saying, though. Like, I'll say hi, I'll say hi, and then they'll be like, I'm good, how are you? And it's like, it's like, no, dude, I didn't ask you how you're doing, I'm just saying hi, like, yeah. hello, hi. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I imagine that what you are experiencing is the exact same thing that, like, me or, you know, Hartzell <laughs> would experience if we went to Charlotte. Or, or excuse me, to Chicago. Or, or maybe even what, like, Felder is experiencing from time to time in Chicago. We are at a bit of an advantage. Like, well, here's the thing I will say. You, you have that issue i think you're pretty well spoken and like you know um you enunciate properly so on and so forth i kind of do the same thing just because of like what we do for a living i mean i i do think there's maybe a some twang in there but like i have problems around here just because i don't talk like this if i talk like this everybody <laughs> will be able to understand everything i said but because i don't i get that a lot too like i'll just be like hey and i'll say i'm good how are you I'm good too. How are you? Or something like, you know, like, it's like, I, I just said a normal thing to you. And I just don't think you, I think you didn't understand me because I said it correctly. (laughs) Well, the funniest part for me, um, is when I go back home, you know, to Chicago, I'll go in a couple of weeks and I go there and everybody can tell, or at least they allege or say, they're like, dude, like you're from the South now. Like I pick up that accent. I can hear it in your voice. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, because nobody around here in these parts can recognize it. But then I go back home and like, they're, they're able to hear the way I talk. And like, I guess this changed over the years, you know, I like it's, it's been almost 10 years since I moved away. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Everybody thinks I'm I'm a Southern boy now. I dare you. I dare you to move to Philly and adopt that accent and see what they say then. Let's go. All right, dude. What do you think about, um, Full capacity being allowed, you know, based on what state, local health officials are going to allow for regional play, which is two weeks away. Conference tournaments beginning this week and next week. And on the same token, my man, the ACC announced this week that they are going to allow full capacity in Charlotte 
at Truist Field, home of the Charlotte Knights, the White Sox AAA affiliate, next week for the ACC tournament. Full capacity is going to be allowed in Uptown, whereas the SEC, which... Tell me if I'm wrong, man. Maybe I'm mistaken. I mean, I thought it meant more. <laughs> uh, but in this, in this particular instance, it doesn't because as of this moment, at the time of our recording on Thursday, May 20th, it's still only going to be 50% for Hoover next week for the SEC. So the ACC, my man, has just flexed, has just dunked all over the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, they sure did. I will say this, though. The ACC is going to have a less difficult time filling up that ballpark than the sec is and hear me out here just because alabama and auburn aren't good and and i know they're within driving distance of a lot of the other schools in the sec but in charlotte you're going to have a healthy helping of state carolina wake duke fans and clemson fans for that matter just because it is like within an hour or two you know, uh, of, of all those places, and plus, like, Charlotte being a hub of graduates from all those universities. So, to a certain extent, I wonder, would the SEC sell out if they were going 100% anyway? And that comes back to why exactly are they having the SEC tournament in Hoover? I understand this year, given it's been an, uh, an unprecedented year, and I know that the league office is just down the street, but there are much better market. Like the ACC is winning by putting them in Charlotte. Why is the SEC not putting it in Atlanta? Is it so just because of the Braves or they, they don't have a place to play? Like they, there's, there's places to play in big markets within the SEC's footprint, but yet they keep going back to Hoover. There's some charm to that, sure. There's a tradition aspect of, to that similar to – the ACC basketball tournament being in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, but, I I mean, maybe they'd fill it out anyway because it's not a huge stadium. But I just wonder if, like, it's not as big a deal for the SEC because, like, they were going to be running at 75% max if they opened it up anyway. You know what I mean? So the Hoover Met seats 10,800, and this is going to be the 23rd consecutive year that the SEC baseball tournament is going to ascend on Hoover. So it's it's tradition, it's the nostalgia, it's the history, it's the partnership uh, with the league, and it's what fans most identify with. And we know the SEC and, and those fans, they're just they're just built different, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they have been they have been making plans to go to Hoover for nearly a quarter of a century. And I think change is just something that not any of them are willing to embrace, and for the right reasons, in a way, my man, because like. From what I understand, they had tried or talked about maybe trying to move this thing to a minor league ballpark, uh, you know, even in the state of Alabama before. But, like, dude, the Hoover Met, the way it's set up, it's parking, uh, its ability to accommodate RVs and tailgating and just the party that is attached to the Southeastern Conference fan circles around the league. Mm -hmm. um, It can most effectively, efficiently accommodate uh, the rabid fan bases that are going to follow their – specific sec team uh and and it is a party i mean you take a football saturday and you stretch it out uh to a full week at the hoover met i mean you're gonna it's not gonna completely replicate obviously just because of the strength in numbers with with football and the amount of home games that you get and you know football we know is king but like 
man, the SEC baseball tournament is just synonymous uh, mm-hmm. with the Hoover Mets. So it's hard for me. Like, I get where you're coming from, but like, it's hard for me to really ever envision this thing. And I believe the Met had expanded at one point too. I don't know the particulars of it um, with, with it becoming, you know, maybe more suitable for the 21st century. But the parking, man, is a big thing. And getting those RVs in there, I, I've heard a few people say, like, it's hard to, to envision a time where the SEC leaves Hoover. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, though, like, the announcement was made a couple of weeks ago, may, maybe even 10 days ago, really. Uh, one article I'm looking at, a local, local news organization, on Wednesday, May 12th, so eight days uh, prior to the recording of this pod, uh, there was a press conference or a, at least an announcement uh, written press release that came out and said it will be 50%. So this was eight days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and face coverings are required upon entry and on the concourse. Like, that's great. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, I saw it happen uh, uh, with my own eyes in Tuscaloosa last week. By the way, Alabama, the host team, is the three seed for the softball, uh, did win. They knocked off Florida. They got the three seed in the softball championships. And their fans, a near packed house when they alleged it was only 50%. I mean, not an empty seat for that championship game last Saturday. I can tell you that much. Uh, and fans uh, were not optional. They were just non-existent. Uh, mm-hmm. The masks, if uh, I beg your pardon, uh, for that week when Alabama was playing. But the door was left open for Hoover next week. Uh, this article says, uh, quote, if I can find, let's see, let's see. Yeah, extensive renovations, by the way, were done to this in 2016. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the gist of it is they're leaving the door open to come in, you know, with some sort of a hammer and say, okay, we're going to open this bad boy up, you know, to more fans. Now, when, you know, like, hey, we're coming up on this. This thing's going to begin next next Tuesday, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It, I mean, it's a single elimination that first day, and it's only 12 teams. So, like, they're going to have to – if they're going to allow more fans in, they're going to have to make a decision. Hell, by the time we post this, a decision might come down, or this weekend. But, like, the fact that the door was left open, Serbs, uh, I bet you – I bet you that they upped that – Based on what the ACC did, yeah. and this being the SEC, like they're not going to be outdone by the Atlantic Coast Conference. Not here. Not not when it's SEC. It's the best conference in their eyes, mm-hmm. uh, and the numbers show it for sure. Uh, you talk about national rankings, the amount of teams that are going to get uh, host positions and 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 be national seeds. Yep. I think the SEC is going to up it to 100 uh, percent by the end of this weekend. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all. Um... And also, let's let's keep in mind, like most people and most leagues are doing this based on state and local ordinances, right? Cooper just eased restrictions. The governor of North Carolina, in this state, um, he he opened it up even more. Alabama, and and he did that just this week, right? Uh, Alabama yeah, dude, like, has been on. ahead. Alabama's been ahead of North Carolina in opening things up, easing restrictions. And when I say ahead, I mean doing it before not necess- I'm not trying to say they they're doing a you know a better job or anything like that I'm just saying that they are they eased restrictions before North Carolina did so it is a bit surprising that the ACC of all people was immediately willing to just you know snap their fingers and say 100% yep we got Cooper's blessing let's do it whereas the SEC has had the opportunity and you know, having eyeballs on the, the, the softball tournament already being like a, a 100% deal, even though they said 50%, just call it 100%. Because I will say this, it's a worse look to say you're only going to allow 50% of the people in and then pack it out and fill it up, sell it out 100% 
than it is to say we're going to let full capacity in and then it's filled up. If it's filled up when they say they're going to let full capacity in, it's like the league said they were going to do this. It's been a huge success for them. They've they've sold this out, right? If they say it's going to be 50% and then they let everyone in, they're like, what the hell are they playing at? Then it creates a different storyline that you don't need to happen. So there's at this point, I don't know if, if it's going to be like the softball tournament last week, which unfortunately had less eyes on it than the baseball tournament is going to have. And some people may, a lot of people may have missed that, oh, that place was filled up when they said it was only going to be 50%. If they do it with baseball, they're potentially going to catch some heat from that. Now, whether they want to take it seriously, whether they want to be affected by that, that's a whole other thing entirely. But it's worth noting, if you're going to let everyone in, if the Mets going to let everyone in anyway, just go ahead and make it 100% so that you don't, you're not standing there afterwards having to answer uncomfortable questions, right? Yeah, and at this point with fans making their plans, like even if you say 100%, are you really going to get, I mean, I suppose they will, but you're not going to have as many maybe uh, spur of the moment able to make plans, you know, in that little mm-hmm. amount of time to be able to schedule their week next week. I mean, maybe you will. Cause well, again, yeah, no, at week, this but. point, it, it, it lends itself an advantage to Alabama and Auburn, correct? If they sure. wait until this weekend to announce that it's 100% because of the locality, more people can make those spur of the moment decisions if they live in Birmingham or, you know what I mean? So like... Uh, you, you're spot on there too. It, the sooner they get out and say 100%, the better. But I just so, think if they're if it's going to be like last week at the softball tournament, why are you playing around at this point? <laughs> so Alabama's going to get in. So the, the worst two teams are not going to make it, and they're still battling it out. Like, they're jockeying for a position here still this weekend, the final regular season weekend. Like, it's not... Texas A&M and Auburn are fighting for their SEC tournament lives, both at 8-19 and in the SEC West. In the SEC East, it's Missouri at 7-20, and so they're on the outside looking in. They have the worst record, Serbs, overall in the conference. But what did they do last weekend? They took two out of three from Mississippi State. Are you kidding me? Like, they go to Starkville. They go to the dude. They, they could have swept Mississippi State, really. They, fell, they were ahead until, I think it was the seventh inning when the Bulldogs got to go ahead home run, and then they went on to win in a close one 5-4 to four, uh, a week ago on Thursday night. Then Missouri took the final two of that series. But they're 7-20. and 20. They got the worst SEC record in the league. Kentucky at 11-16, just ahead of Missouri in the East. They just got swept by South Carolina, but they're still firmly in. Now, they're a bubble team for sure, and they're on the wrong side of the bubble when it comes to the NCAA tournament. But uh, I, I think the SEC might might still see nine or ten teams into the, into the tournament with the cutoff line being at LSU, uh, being at Georgia potentially who can still sneak in if the Bulldogs are able to, you know, take one from Ole Miss this weekend and avoid a, a sweep to conclude the year. But but man, here's the thing: Missouri at seven and twenty is playing Auburn at eight and nineteen in the SEC. It couldn't have worked out better for those two because they control their own destiny uh, to be able to get in because Missouri's going to hold the tiebreaker. So even mm-hmm. if Missouri. Even if Missouri takes only two and doesn't sweep, they'll be at 9-21, and 21, and Auburn will be at 9-21, and 21, and Missouri will own the tiebreaker. So Missouri would get in ahead of Auburn, and that's if, that's if Texas A&M is able to do anything against LSU this weekend, which, again, LSU is their backs up against the, against the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament wall. So, yeah. like, if Texas A&M gets swept by LSU, it's a mute point because Missouri and Auburn are, are going to, 
both get in unless it's Missouri getting swept and then Texas A&M sneaks in. So those final, those final two spots, three spots, if you will, between those teams, Missouri, Auburn, who play each other, and then Texas A&M, who has LSU, this is going to make for a thrilling finish for, for the basement, for the cellar dwellers mm-hmm. of the SEC tournament, which should make for a tremendous theater next week early in Hoover. Yeah, what happens, what happens if A&M sweeps LSU and Auburn sweeps Missouri? The, and they're all well, obviously Missouri would not be in, but A and M, A and M and Auburn would both get in as the uh, well. No, you're, at, you're and, right. And LSU <laughs> three way tie for eleven at eleven and nineteen. Yeah, so now that, that's likely at, not going to happen. Ooh. Sweeps are not super. Yeah. You know, the sweep is really hard to do. Um, but that that there's even more chaos. And then who does Kentucky play? And they get swept. Then you have a four way tie at eleven and nineteen, and the tiebreaker gets really weird. So Kentucky's at Vanderbilt. Yes, they're, they're probably going to get swept, man. <laughs> hate to, hate to I don't say know, man. it, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's, <laughs> the, the odds are not in their favor, uh, that's for sure. The deck is stacked against them, especially for a Vanderbilt team coming off another series loss. Uh, Kamar Rocker taking the loss against Doug Nikhazy on Friday night. Nikhazy was phenomenal. Ole Miss had won 3-1 over Vandy on, uh, on Friday. Jack Leiter was, was lights out in his return after one-week hiatus uh, from the rotation. He had 13 strikeouts and six innings. And the bases were loaded with nobody out in the sixth inning, and then Leiter came back and struck out the side for his 13th K. And then, and then that Sunday game series was just, was just wild. Ole Miss had a 10-run inning on Vandy. It was a slugfest from both sides. The Rebels were able to win the series. But, yeah, Kentucky coming off a sweep from South Carolina. You think they might have some added juice to at least take one from Vandy, but uh, I don't know. I mean, that could be a four-way tie. I mean, you've posed yeah. um, a, a horrendous or, or <laughs> spectacular situation, depending on how you look at it, uh, for the SEC with tiebreakers, and we're not going to bore you going through each schedule right now. Like, you can go ahead and do that. Look at the tiebreakers. See what Kentucky and LSU did against each other, Missouri, Auburn, Texas A&M, and that's how you're going to be able to formulate it. But you could potentially have a, four, um, a four-way tie, uh, I, I believe that's as, as many teams with Auburn and Missouri playing each other, a four-way tie for the, for the bottom mm-hmm. of the SEC. And again, two teams. we got to cut two teams loose. So, um, dude, <laughs> like, we, we, we know uh, where the SEC stands at the top. And, and the middle, you know, those teams could be dangerous. Look, Florida, and we can use this as our pivot and our segue into really um, some of the watchables for the weekend. Like, let's go ahead and get in it. Top-ranked Arkansas hosting ninth-ranked Florida. I mean, Florida, the Gators, can go into Fayetteville. They've got an opportunity to deal the Hogs their first series loss of the year. We, I've been saying that every week. I, I, I sound like a broken record. Uh, and Arkansas and Tennessee, you talk, about, you talk about unreal performances from both sides. The dramatics, the theater, Arkansas giving up five runs against Tennessee in Knoxville at Lindsey Nelson Stadium a week ago on Friday, coming back, winning that game, Robert Moore with a couple of home runs. And then on Saturday, Arkansas and, and Kevin Copps coming in, doing his thing. And then on Saturday, Copps, because of an extended relief appearance, again, three-plus innings, he's not available. And what does Arkansas do? They blow it in the ninth. Max Ferguson with a walk-off three-run homer for Tennessee in the ninth inning. Sunday, uh, the Sunday game was Kevin Copps again coming in, preserving what I think was a 3-1 lead at the time. Gave up a run, his first run allowed in 28 consecutive scoreless innings, but Arkansas was able to get out of there winning two out of three. Now they bring Florida uh, into their place. And, dude, the Gators can earn, I think, a top-eight national seed if they're able to get a win this weekend. So Arkansas-Florida, to me, is the SEC series to watch this weekend. But looking at the bottom of the league, as we just outlined, Cerber, the most entertainment might come from any, any number of those teams uh, duking it out for a spot in Hoover next week. 
Yeah, I'm especially going to watch. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch to see if Kentucky can win one game and if LSU can win one game. That's all they have to do to then, you know, make it purely between A and M, Auburn, and Missouri. But if if we get to Sunday and neither of, or excuse me, Saturday and neither one of those teams has won a game, look out. Oh, strap it down, buckle up uh, for all the SEC fun this weekend. That's for sure. Here's here's another quirky scheduling nugget. You talk about the best teams playing each other, the best matchups that you could want. Not only did this, not only to decide who's just going to sneak into the league tournament uh, when we're talking about the SEC serves, but in the Big Ten, you've got the best teams, one through four, all playing each other. No Big Ten tournament this year. All mm-hmm. playing each other over the final two weeks to determine who's going to get the automatic bid and win the Big Ten regular season crown, uh, which is what matters this year with no tournament. You've got Maryland at Michigan this weekend. And then Nebraska and Indiana are in a, a Bloomington pod that features Ohio State. So Nebraska and Indiana are going to play each other twice. And then next week, Michigan goes to Nebraska, and then it's Indiana at Maryland for each a three-game series. Like, dude, let's go. Michigan, Indiana, Nebraska, and Maryland all duking it out over the final two weeks. Nebraska currently holding a one-game lead in the conference on Michigan. Indiana, a half game back of Michigan. Maryland, two back of the leader, Nebraska. So the top four Serbs all within two games of each other. Yeah, this is this is you know comes back to why we were talking at the beginning of the uh, of the episode about why this is like one of those stretches, and it's because the rubber really meets the road here um, for a lot for a lot of ball clubs, and then especially it's interesting the Big Ten we think of in other sports as being a conference that you know is going to you know send multiple people to the postseason or multiple teams to the postseason. Um, and that's, that's simply just not the case in college baseball. Uh, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. My money would be on Michigan right now, just because of having just been there. Um, but yeah, you know, Big Ten baseball largely flies under the radar, except for the fact that they have their own network so you can watch it, um, if you have the right cable tier package, but it flies mostly under the radar, so I'm glad you brought it up here. It'll be interesting. I will. I was. It wasn't. I wasn't going to pay attention, but you've piqued my interest for the final two weeks. I watched the series finale, and this is you know Michigan really made some hay on Sunday, taking the series from from visiting Indiana, and this was in Ann Arbor. Great looking ballpark too. I mean, just great visual, great uniform game with the maize and blue, and then uh, what, what do you call? I don't want to offend our, our Indiana people, the, like the. The, the crimson or the creamsicle, like I always think about the basketball. It's you know, crimson pants. and cream is what they yeah, call it, Yeah, crimson and cream, technically. Yeah. And and it was the crimson tops and just, you know, those Big Ten uniforms are just so classic. And you saw it with Michigan and Indiana, and it was emotionally charged. Like that Indiana dugout was staging a comeback late in the in the game. The dugout was, was wild, man. They were yeah. getting up. And that's the beauty of baseball and energy and the enthusiasm on the field. Like if you're able to get under a pitcher's skin, and you're the visiting team too, like you're playing with house money, and you feel like, You've you've kind of commanded that stadium and all the momentum at that point, like, and, and the crowds and the TV presentation. Uh, you know, a, a sparse crowd for sure because it's it's the Big Ten and and um, you know the measures and restrictions that they've had in place. But like, it was alive. Uh, Indiana ultimately ended up falling short, but like, 
it was a heck of a game. It was an ESPN2 game uh, uh, serves on uh, in the Big Ten on a Sunday. Uh, that was a lot of fun this past weekend. So uh, the Big Ten providing us uh, some, some phenomenal theater here this weekend and next to close the regular season. Georgia Tech is hosting North Carolina. <laughs> so here's the thing. The Tar Heels got swept by Notre Dame two weeks ago, and I, mm-hmm. I think they were outscored. It was, it was something insane, like 36. Let me see what... Yeah, it was, it was three weeks ago, and they were outscored uh, 36 to 17. Yeah. And then since, a 9-3 win over Campbell, midweek loss to UNCG by run, but most recently, last week, server, <laughs> you, talk about, you talk about three down. This doesn't really look uh, – and the ACC is squarely there. You look at Virginia Tech, you look at Clemson, but then you look at Louisville, and the Tar Heels swept Louisville in Chapel Hill – uh, none of the insult games were injury. Close. Yeah. Yeah. None of them. None of them were close. So Dan McDonald, our boy, uh, the head coach who was rallying for, for that regional environment, increased attendance after an emotionally charged win in the midweek over Vanderbilt since uh, got blown away by Duke in a series opener, like absolutely blitz, came back, won the series, but then just got swept by North Carolina after getting left out of the predetermined regional site list. So uh, Louisville goes from bad to worse. You are on the bubble, my friend. Like, I don't know if the cards are getting in. And at this point, UNC, uh, with an opportunity, if they can take this series, and here's the thing, sir, if they can win the series against Georgia Tech, are you with me now? Look at those ACC standings. Tell me how the coastal looks. Georgia Tech, North Carolina. You got to go down a few lines for the Tar Heels, but how many games back are the Tar Heels? Two of Georgia Tech in fourth place. So if Carolina can sweep the series, <laughs> they potentially, potentially here, depending on what Miami and Pittsburgh do, Pitt's got Wake Forest and Miami has got, I think it's, let me click on them real quick. Bear with Miami's got Louisville. So Miami goes to Louisville. Pitt has Wake Forest. UNC can win the Coastal. Who would have thunk it? It's the most Coastal. The fact that there are, know, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in the Coastal, or excuse me, six teams in the Coastal all sitting right around 500, and every one of them's got a chance to, to win, you know, or at least an outside shot to be first or second in the division. ACC Coastal, baby, never change. Never change. Ever. <laughs> and I love that they won. don't get Notre Dame. You know what I, I mean? Like, you're going to yeah. split the division up, and the Atlantic runs the show and everything, but you're, <laughs> you're going to give them Notre Dame. I guess because Cuse isn't involved, but uh, regardless, yeah, it's funny. So Carolina has won five of six, uh, two games out of first place in the Coastal Division. Uh, Virginia, who has been a team that I have been so high on for three weeks, they're still right there. They're in fifth. They're three games out. Um, Virginia still playing their best baseball of the year, trying to scratch and claw and earn an NCAA tournament bid. They're coming off a sweep of Wake Forest where they had a combined no-hitter on Friday night, just absolutely routing, just demolishing Wake Forest, 17 to nothing. And then not only do you beat Wake Forest 17 to nothing on Friday, Virginia then comes back and walks off on the Deeks in consecutive days on Saturday and Sunday for one-run wins. Uh, oh, Wake Forest. Wake Forest and Boston College, man. They, they will not be in Charlotte next week for the ACC tournament. That much we do know, unlike the SEC, where you still have some jockeying for position. But Virginia at 25 and 21, 16 and 17 in the league. They've won three in a row. Um, I, I had said three weeks ago 
that Virginia would need to, that they would go at least six and three over their final SEC series. Now, what have they done? They took two out of three from Virginia Tech prior to the Wake Forest sweep. And then before the Virginia Tech series, they took two out of three from Duke. So that's two, that's four, that's seven. Uh, that's seven and two right there over their last nine ACC games with a chance here against Boston College to pad that even more. Uh, the worst team along with Wake Forest in the ACC. So, man, those Wahoos, man, watch out. Watch out for the Wahoos. Yep, watch out for the Wahoos. But it, it is interesting that the blue, bl- the blue Bloods of the ACC historically – um are not are not the cats running the show right now i mean florida state's up there but uh i think that's one of the other interesting things is kind of the the shift of power within the acc to uh notre dame and and georgia tech this season it's been a little interesting because those are definitely those are two teams that you would have expected to be at the bottom uh most seasons of the acc and they're just kind of rolling along um unless north carolina pulls off some magic this weekend and Virginia was the top 15, top 20 team preseason, and they're finally, you know, playing like that. So, yeah. and you bring, you bring up Florida State serves. I mean, that's the team. We, we talked about it last week when they were omitted um, from the predetermined site list. Them and Louisville, really, those were the two big ones. And Gonzaga uh, getting in. By the way, Gonzaga taking care of business against Portland last week. Did lose the midweek uh, to Oregon. But uh, Florida State has uh, NC State this weekend. So that, that's going to be among, uh, I think, some of the top series to watch also because the Wolfpack, uh, what they've been able to do most recently is just, you've got to take note. Like, you've got to look at what NC State has been able to do. They've won 17 of 20 uh, to this point in the year. They're, they're I think, a lock uh, to get into the tournament. But Florida State is in that peculiar position where because NC State is playing so well right now, like FSU, hell, they could squeak the Wolfpack. And, like, we could be talking about, we didn't bring this up last week, serves because, you know, we're, we're fixated on the predetermined sites and the hosting. But mm-hmm. we, we do know this year, like, we could have a traveling host mm-hmm. based on what the NCAA wants to do in awarding a host site. So, like, maybe Florida State could potentially be a number one seed somewhere. They're not going to host it in Tallahassee. But how awkward, how weird would it be if they end up taking pit spot? Like, pit hosts, for geographical purposes, first time they've ever hosted, but the Panthers aren't even there. Like, what if the Panthers get shipped out somewhere else and Florida State is the host at Pitt? Like, how bonkers would that? I don't know if that could happen. Uh, I mean, it could. We're talking yeah. about it. But how wild would that be? Yeah, that would that would be that would be nuts. And it would, I mean, realistically, though, it would suck for Florida State. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like, if I'm Florida State, I'm just like, let's let's take it easy. Let's not make it out of the pods. Because they're probably dancing. Do we think they're dancing no matter what, that they're going to make it to a regional somehow, some way? I think so, yeah. I think unless, they, the unless they bomb this weekend, you know, like and get swept and then lo- and then don't win a game in the ACC tournament so they're closer yeah, to, to 500. But they're, they're probably in. So maybe just go win a game or two in the ACC and then rest up for the regionals, you know? Yeah, uh, I think they're a lock. They're a lock, man. They're three and a half behind Notre Dame in the Atlantic. The Irish have already clinched uh, the Atlantic division. So I, th- I think your locks in the ACC are Notre Dame, Florida State, uh, Georgia Tech, and Miami. And, and I guess you've got to put Pitt in there because they were one of the predetermined sites. So even yeah. though they're not playing, you know, like, like a team that deserves to be in a regional right now, like that's five right there. And I thought, man, I thought we would struggle trying to find 
six teams. Like the, the ACC has put six teams in the NCAA tournament for 14 straight years. 14 straight years. Um, and, and I was concerned that that wouldn't, that wouldn't happen. That would come to an end this year. But I think they're going to put six. They might... I don't know, seven's a long shot, but if you yeah. throw in Pitt, Miami, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, Florida State, and NC State, who I think is deserving here winning 17 of their last 20, nine one of their last 10, they've won five in a row. Like, that's six right there. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Virginia Tech, who's playing their way out of the NCAA tournament. That's why I would put Virginia in. Uh, that would give you seven. And then we're still considering Louisville as a bubble team. Clemson, again, kind of on the wrong side of that bubble. So I think they'll get six, possibly seven, but six... Uh, I think the ACC is going to get uh, for sure. And Pitt is one of those teams, man. Oof. I, I mean, what they do, if they lose two games to Wake Forest this weekend, it's over. Like, they are going to have to win in Charlotte. They're going to have to win the pods, get to the semifinal Saturday, and then win the championship to be able to get back in the tournament, I think. Yeah, four straight losses, a lot of cancellations on the schedule here. They just I – don't, I don't really know what the NCAA was thinking. By making they got off such a great. They got off such a great start, and they were like the darling of college baseball um, for a good chunk of this year. But but COVID, COVID happened for them. You know, yeah. they didn't play a game for 16 days. They come they, back, they lose in the backyard brawl uh, on the dime into West Virginia, and you know they've just been sputtering ever since. Yeah, they've they've lost four straight games at two different points in this season. Um, almost like winning four straight games is super difficult. I feel like losing four straight games is super difficult. So to have done it twice, I, if you're telling me who I believe in the least, it's Pitt. And it would be super unfortunate if they're a host site somehow. You know what I mean? And they're, they're, yeah. not, even, they're not even in it. Is that a possibility? Could that happen? I, I suppose it could. If logistically, uh, from a COVID testing standpoint, the yeah. NCAA and the committee, you know, feel Pitt can, you know, deserve like let's let's extend an olive branch here like let's give you some sort of a prize they're, for the they're way almost <laughs> they're almost certainly if they wind up a host spot the three or four seed in that regional yeah no worse than a two i don't think but but really? here's the thing like who, who are they who are they well i don't know man it's it's I don't see them dropping this series against wake forest it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the committee does but here, yeah. here's the thing here's the thing um, who are we comparing them against, right? Like, there aren't going to be more than two hosting in Conference USA. Like, Louisiana Tech still has some work to do. Um, Southern Miss, you know, probably needs to win a few games in the CUSA tournament at the Love Shack next week. Charlotte has the best opportunity right now, winning the regular season uh, for the first time in program history. Um, I mean, I, there's just so much to be determined. You know, will, will Stanford get a bid? So, like, mm-hmm. uh, out of all the Pac-12 teams, will Oregon get it? Like, Arizona we know is a lock. But we've got 20 teams to work with, but we've got to cut four. Like, is Pitt going to be in that? I think Pitt um, certainly is among those four that we're going to consider to drop. But, like, we still got a week here to play um, of, of regular season baseball. And then we got the postseason next week. So, there's still so much to be determined, so much to be decided. And, and one of those things, serves is the Big 12 regular season crown. So Texas is going to West Virginia. Uh, excuse me, they are hosting West Virginia this weekend to conclude the Big 12 regular season. TCU, meanwhile, is going on the road uh, to Kansas State. So they're going to the Little Apple to take on Kansas to take on the Wildcats. TCU holds a one-game advantage in the Big 12 standings. So what they need to do is match what Texas does at the very minimum. Like, they can sweep and it's theirs. 
-hmm. Again, they control their own destiny. They hold a game lead in the Big 12. But if they were to lose a game and Texas were to win two against West Virginia, Texas is your Big 12 regular season champ because they hold the tiebreaker, having taken two or three from the Horned Frogs a couple of weeks ago. So the Big 12 on the line here this week, TCU at Kansas State, Texas hosting West Virginia. That's going to make uh, for some tremendous Big 12 baseball here this weekend to figure out who the number one seed will be uh, in the Big 12 tournament the following week. Also, number 15, Stanford, playing at number six, Oregon. Cardinal damaged their hosting chances a bit, dropping a series to Cal uh, last weekend. And, and they even played again on Monday. Ended up losing, uh, I believe they ended up losing that. Uh, playing the Bears in a, in a non-conference game. But dropping the conference series uh, to Cal certainly hurts the Cardinals' chances at securing a host spot. Another game I'm looking at, I just brought up Conference USA, Serbs. I think you'll agree with me here. This is kind of unique because Old Dominion is coming down to Ruston, to the Love Shack, a week early. And they're going to stay there, uh, waiting for the CUSA tournament to begin early next week. Little mini two-game series ahead of the tournament uh, at the Shack. ODU finished two games behind Charlotte in the East Division, Louisiana Tech. Held off Southern Miss by half game in the West. This was this was very tight. Old Dominion 36 and 14, 22 and 10. Tech at 36 and 14, 22 and 8. Uh, Thursday and Friday games for those two. A uh, little bit more on the Monarchs. I, I was trying to study up ODU because hey man, this could be a team that could wreak some havoc in, in the regionals. Monarchs Kyle battles 17 home runs, leads the league, second nationally, and walks at 47. I got an outfielder by the name of Andy Gariola. 63 ribbies leads the country. And their freshman second baseman, Carter Trice, leads all CUSA rookies with 67 hits, 11 dongs. He slugged 635, hitting 354. Bulldogs' Hunter Wells leads the league in batting at 369. So uh, a lot of offensive numbers there for you. We'll see, if, uh, we'll see how each staff uses their pitching, Serbs, uh, you know, with the tournament right around the corner next week. Like, these games aren't meaningless mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday between these two or Thursday and Friday. Um, they're not meaningless at all because Louisiana Tech is trying to host. Like, they're trying to ensure that they can host. And ODU didn't even submit a bid. Mm-hmm. You know, is trying to KOD those chances. So that'll be fun. And then Gonzaga, my man, 17th-ranked Bulldogs hosting San Francisco. As I mentioned, swept Portland, lost the midweek game to Oregon. Those two could be competing for one of those regional spots. Hell, they might both get it. Uh, but Gonzaga is going to host San Francisco this weekend. So the Zags have each of the two teams that are behind them in the Big West standings. And we touched on this a lot last week, uh, that they're going to play in back-to-back weeks now. Uh, they'll have San Diego next week to conclude the regular season. No West Coast Conference title. Gonzaga with a two-game lead on San Diego and then a three-and-a-half game lead on San Francisco. So a lot to be decided for the West Coast Conference. And, and, the, and the Zags can you know, stub their toe and they can really eliminate themselves, you know, if they don't play here, don't play well here over the next um, couple of weeks. Uh, Serbs, quickly moving, moving through this, um, and I do want to get your opinion on bat flips because we had an epic, epic bat flip in Pac-12 country last Friday night from freshman Ethan Long of Arizona State. Sun Devils playing some extraordinary baseball, but some of this ties in a little bit to, to the watchables for the weekend, but three up, three down, just burning through here. Charlotte, man, like, let's just stop. Round of applause. Like, let's mm-hmm. tip our cap. Let's take a bow. Like, whatever you want to do for the 49ers, like, they deserve it, man. 37-16, and 24-8. and 8. First CUSA regular season title. It won the 8-10 uh, back before. And they're one of those founding members of CUSA, too. Left, then came back. Highest ranking ever. Uh, had a game two doubleheader win uh, in dramatic fashion at Rice to clinch uh, that championship. And 
They've got some dudes as well. Austin Knight leads the country with 27 of Charlotte's national leading 120 doubles on the season. So uh, the kings of dub sacks are the 49ers. <laughs> Consistency on, on Friday nights. Bryce McGowan has started in all 13 opportunities. That's fourth nationally. They conclude the regular season with UNCW uh, this weekend at home. And serves, as you would expect, full capacity. No face coverings necessary at Hayes Stadium. Wow. Yeah, Charlotte. Uh, once upon a time, I almost went to the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Um, I went to SOAR and everything. Signed up for classes and then decided afterwards I'm going to go to a different school instead. <laughs> but I almost went, and it's a, and it's a, it's a cool little campus uh, out in Charlotte. And they are, you know, they're a smaller school, and you wouldn't think um that athletics are a huge deal for like a unc at school you know like usc upstate unc at wilmington unc at greensboro unc at charlotte they love basketball they love baseball and in soar they told us how to cheer that was the first thing they told us in soar um so they, they have a they have a dedicated fan base while it may be kind of small but uh I, I think it's cool that charlotte's good this year Call it uptown. Don't call it downtown. I've made that mistake uh, quite a few times, and I kind of do it on purpose now because I just like to get a rise out of the locals. I, but, I don't uh, blame yeah, you. They, yeah, that's <laughs> a good move can, by you. Yeah, I look forward to uh, spending some time there next week calling some ACC games, too, uh, for national radio. So that'll be fun. Uh, I'll get my eyes, though, on ACC teams, not, not the uh, 49ers. Uh, 17th-ranked Arizona, too. They've won 15 of 17. The final against Washington last Friday night. This is our Pac-12 leader serves the Wildcats. 17 to 16 in 10 innings, my dude, on a Friday night when, when each team's aces are, are going, at least in theory. Uh, I'd have to go back. I didn't look at the box score to, to see if that indeed was the case. But 17-16, and Arizona trailed by three. In the tenth inning, wow. they had a four. They had a four-run tenth uh, before delivering the knockout blow to Washington. And then Jackson State. This this is a sweet story, my man. I, I would love for Jackson State. I don't know what the HBCU history is in the NCAA tournament. Uh, well, maybe that's our homework or for our listeners. Answer us now. Tweets get at us. Tell us the last time an HBCU, and, and maybe more recently than than I can recall, has earned a super regional bid. And, and have there been? college world series appearances there, there's had to have been right like mm -hmm. how many what was the most recent uh server and i will go to work on this last week but as you can see in the doc in my notes serves jackson state 24 and 0 in the swag this year like wow. another tip of your cap like what this we think of jackson state we think of Deion sanders right what, what he's doing and in, in coming in and, and trying to resurrect the football program but mm -hmm. like how about omar johnson man Coach of the year, Jackson State sweeping all the postseason awards, seven honors. They started the year 0-4. They finished 32-8, and and they've already got a win under their belts. The SWAC uh, began all the conference tournament play action for us on Wednesday, uh, picking up a win in the double elimination format over Texas Southern, 7-4. So they'll have Grambling at 4 o'clock on Thursday from Madison, Alabama. Uh, let's see, best season since 1990. First ever 24-0 mark in league play. 28 straight SWAC wins now counting Wednesday and uh, pandemic shortened year tigers lead the nation with 133 stolen bases at 3.41 per game serves trivia time for you and two tall boys of your choosing if you can correctly name the minor league team nickname that plays where the swack tournament is being held so toyota field this is in madison alabama it is a double a affiliate i can't give you the major league affiliation Two tall boys. Your choice, man. You got it? Uh, I don't know where Madison, Alabama is. 
Oh. Well, I cheated because I looked it up. Can I say it? And you don't have to give me the tall boys? Yeah, I'll drink it's, them myself. Don't yeah, me. it's the Trash Pandas. That's cool. I forgot. <laughs> Rocket City Trash Pandas. How about it? That's awesome. That's- I love that they call themselves Rocket City, too. I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, where we, we had a Mets affiliate who were the Capital City Bombers. Um, and, like, the, the logo was a B-52 bomber, which I always thought. So I think it's awesome. Like, I like gold, the Golden State Warriors, right? It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I like that they call themselves Rocket City Trash Pandas. That is uh, amazing. Angels. That's, you, you talk about, you know, an ego, but a confidence, you know, about yourself and conviction with who you are and just wanting to walk into a room and you just command all eyeballs. And, you know, you might you might unbuckle the first, you know, loop of your belt as, as well, hey, you know, hey. when you walk in. So, like, hey, hey. Real, real quick, Angels, showtime. Who is this guy? Like... How does he do this? Who are, we are you familiar about? with with Shohei Otani? Oh yes, yeah, Dude, like he's, he's ridiculous. You're throwing gas on the mound, and then you're leading the American League in home runs. Okay, all right, then I see you. Mo- he's a machine, mo- man. Moving along, a throwback to a bygone era of baseball is occurring <laughs> in Los Angeles right now. If you choose to to tune in the American League, he's the DH when he's not pit- when he's not pitching. Right? You kidding me? Come so on. you know what's more poetic about that? So they they cut ties with Albert Pujols, whose nickname mm-hmm. was the Machine, but like in all reality, all actuality, uh, Shohei Otani is is just that. Now he's you got some injury concerns, right, in terms of scratching him and, and taking care of his arm. And mm-hmm. um, I know I know there was a problem right when he came into the league, and even this year there's been a couple of, of close calls or, or some concern. But like the dude is. For the most part, knock on wood, if you're an Angels fan, like he, he is as advertised and more, I think, with his ability to, to be a DH and step in on any given night and be there as an everyday player, everyday hitter. And like you said, lead the league uh, in home runs. Like, yeah, that dude is uh, special. Ethan Long, by the way, Arizona State, two-way player. Um, more on that in a second, though. Three down for the week. Pitt, we touched a lot on them already, really the ACC in general. And, and for Pitt, being a predetermined regional host side, promptly getting swept uh, by states, you know, right on cue, not a good look. TCU uh, losing a series to ULM out of conference last weekend. So how do they respond coming off of that at Kansas State this weekend when the Big 12 is up for grabs? And then Tony Vitello at the end of that Arkansas-Tennessee series serves. I don't know if you saw the video. Tony Vitello, the Tennessee head coach, had some words. Words were exchanged uh, with Dave Van Horn, the head coach of Arkansas. And Vitello used to be on, on Van Horn's staff in Fayetteville. And apparently Vitello admitted afterwards in the post presser that, look, I brought up something off the field that, you know, was poor, poor judgment on my part. I shouldn't have done that. Um, what are you doing bringing up something off the field? Like, are you that butthurt after losing two out of three to Arkansas when you easily could have gotten swept and you could have just as easily swept the Hogs? Um, why are you being such a baby about it, Vitello? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's unfortunate considering how awesome a series that was, how gutsy all the performances were by both teams. For him to do something like that afterwards, I mean, I'm not trying to. Uh, let's just say I will root against the Vols throughout the postseason for that type of attitude. All right, here, here's my man Ethan Long, freshman for Arizona State. We posted a video earlier in the week when the Sun Devils uh, broke into the top 25 uh, national rankings. Uh, D1 baseball has them in at 25 at 30 and 16, three and one in the league. Uh, taking a series from Oregon State over the weekend. That's whom Arizona will have this weekend. But but Ethan Long, his walk-off home run on Friday night, my man. And and, and Serbs, if you got it, you, you can play it. I mean, it's the, it's the TV call, I think, of it. But it can 
provide maybe a little bit of context. Otherwise, you know, find it on Twitter at CSNowTweets. Nine to six is the final, and Long, who's just having a sensational, and that is such an understatement. Like, there aren't enough adjectives to explain what Ethan Long is doing as a freshman. As a two-way player that has four saves uh, to his credit on the year as well, delivered the three-run walk-off home run through the bat, threw his helmet off, rounded the bases without a helmet on. Like, I've never seen that before, Serbs. It was extraordinary, and this dude has got, you talking about swagger and confidence, chutzpah, whatever it is, like, this dude just does not give a, you know what? Yeah. And, dude, he showed it on Friday night. That was one of the more epic walk-offs that I have seen, tossing the helmet and running around the bases and his team mobbing him. Not not at the plate, like the mob, the dog pile, extended onto the mound afterwards. It was incredible. Can I just – I want to make a recommendation to anyone who hits a dinger for the rest of this season in college baseball or Major League Baseball, take your freaking helmet off because that is awesome. Like, and you, don't need it anymo- it, it, you don't need it anymore. Balls aren't flying around. You're not diving in. You're just rounding the bases. You look. You are going to look awesome. Make baseball great again, and that's one way to do it. Like, I thought – I was waiting when I was watching the video after this had happened. Like, I was waiting for, like, like just some – like, was the umpire going to call him back? Was he going to say the home run? Like, was there a penalty? Like, what could we um, – sportsmanlike conduct? Like, I was waiting uh, we, for we, something. I had just never seen it happen. Like, how, how were the people – how was the losing team going right. to respond in Oregon State? Like, was a fight about to break out? Um, I don't know the particulars, but good on the Beavers for at least heading back to their dugout and letting the kids celebrate. But, man, like, this was in your face. Yeah. Like, Bryce Harper, you know, has been beating this drum and driving this train for years since he came to the league. Make baseball great again. Let's have fun. Let's have energy. Yeah. Let's have enthusiasm. And let's, let, let's make this more appetizing for the average fan and those that don't know anything about baseball to get them interested and excited. Watch that clip from Friday night with Arizona yep. State's Ethan Long and that walk-off, and you will be excited about baseball. Yeah. That dude is a stud. Yeah, he's a stud. It, it makes me think of uh, Acuna's walk-off that he had for the Braves last night. To uh, and and he and he did kind of a similar. I think he did like a like a throat cut type thing or something like that. You know, like or or like cut it off. It's over. You know, uh, yeah. Let these dudes have fun. Like it's it was awesome when Chad Johnson would pull a sharpie out of his you know shoe or whatever and like sign the football. Like all, all across all sports, like letting people celebrate. Uh, now I have a question for you because old school heads would say. All right, next time that dude steps up to the plate against this team, he's getting he's catching one in the elbow. I personally think the stupidest thing you could do to a guy unless you're going to intentionally put him on base anyway, is to just intentionally put someone on base by hitting them to quote unquote send a message and then giving a team a base runner. Base runners are the name of the game. Like I so your opinion, should pitchers go after hitters who do like intense celebrations or like quote-unquote disrespectful bat flips absolutely you think so you put it in his ear his next time up now i don't know what happened when he came to the plate saturday for the first time um but yeah if you're willing because here's the catch 22 if you want to give him base runner for free that's on you so like if you want to hit him like you have to live with the consequence of a runner now being on if you choose not to hit him cool like i think you're you're going about it in a better way for sure because you're not costing your team the ability to uh you know limit runs and to get your offense back onto the field but it makes all the sense in the world to me based on how i was raised in the game of baseball and the way it's been played and yeah you know older heads and the old school way of things like i got no problem 
with beaming the guy his next time up. If that's what you want to do, right. but, just, but just know at the same time, like, you're giving them a free base, base runner. You know, right. so, like, you can't be pissed, you know, if you end up losing by a run and that guy that you hit in the head because he threw his helmet off and threw his bat, you know, in a high-energy, emotional situation the previous night in walk-off fashion, if he ends up being the difference in game two on Saturday, like, that's on you. Right. Okay, I can get behind your take here. The take I cannot get behind is that you always must hit the batter the next time they come up because that's how the game is played. That's yeah, not it's, always it's just it's just not always the right move. Sometimes it is a two to one game, sure, and you're going to yeah, put like, the tying run on to send a message. No, <laughs> it's it's situational. Okay, yeah. it's situational because if the bases are loaded, or you got a runner on you know first and second. Like you're not going to load the bases I, yeah. by just hitting this guy to make a point. I so, just don't. I don't like these dudes who like to call out these young players and say like, oh, they they they're gutless. They don't you know they don't play the they don't know how to play the game because they then don't like beam somebody. They're like, nah, I'm trying to keep my whip down, dog. You know yeah, what man. I mean? And like and like <laughs> Trevor Bauer, I love as a pitcher. Like what he his stance on so many of these things about allowing players to celebrate. And to, you know, just basically big time them when they homer off of them. Yeah. And or, or it can be and, and he allows it, you know, like he's like, look, this guy got the best of me. He can do whatever he wants as he rounds it. Like, might I jaw at him? Like, sure. But whatever. Yeah. Like he he has earned the right uh, to pimp his home run however he wants. And same thing with like three O counts. Like if a dude wants to swing at three and oh. Like, whatever. Like, I know Bauer was talking about that on, on social media here just on Wednesday night. I'd, I'd seen him. He had some words uh, for that. Which, which, dude, Major League Baseball, like, what are we doing, man? Why are there so many no-hitters? Like, <laughs> lower, lower the freaking mound. Get rid, of, get rid of the shift. Like, let's have some more accountability defensively because mm-hmm. we, can't be having, we can't be having a no-hitter every other night. Like, yeah. what is going on? We've got six already, the most ever before the month of May. Seven, if you count the seven-inning no-hitter that we had also. I think the record for a single year is eight. Um, but, like, come on. Like, we, we've, we've got to do something here to tilt things back in the favor of the hitters. And, and if we're not going to allow performance enhancers and, and these guys to inject uh, the biggest and best horse steroids into their bodies to be able <laughs> to just mash like the freaking 1990s, then you need to lower the mound and you need to get rid of the shift. But, you know, again, that's – I guess I've said my piece. I don't know what more there is to the argument. But, uh, Put the but piece yeah, man, away. They're calling the cops. <laughs> um, dude, Ethan Long, though, as a freshman, he is uh, slugging 838. That's Ooh. leading the country. The Arizona State freshman, 10th in home runs at 16. Uh, 15 of them have come in the last month, my dude. Fourth in the league, 37th national lane average at 385. Three-time Pac-12 player of the week. Uh, the dude is, is in Fuego and uh, four home runs uh, or homered over four games last week uh, four times. So, like, it's just, dude, the dude is putting up some sick numbers. Had a tremendous walk-off last week. You shared a video with me before we uh, hit record uh, here today of a Clemson. It wasn't a walk-off. It was an eighth-inning uh, home run against USC Upstate uh, earlier this month. Who was it? Uh, Kier? Kier Meredith. He leads the – or he's tied for the lead on the team in stolen bases. He's not really a power a power bat for them. He's hitting 308. He's one of their best bats on the team. But he's not really a power bat. But, yeah, he just straight up threw his bat. Like, it wasn't – they called it a bat flip. But I think what Ethan Long did is is definitely more of a bat flip. This is more of just, like, get this bat away from me. I got to go around the bases. <laughs> <laughs> there was some anger behind yeah. it. 
Yeah, sure. and and he's got the dreads. I will I will tell him he needs to take a page out of Ethan's book with with the dreads flowing like that with such a delicious flow coming off the top of your dome. Take the helmet off and round the bases, man. Winston-Salem native, mad props, Glen High School product, drafted by the Cubs in the late rounds uh, also. So, uh, yeah, good for him, man. Uh, softball championship begins this week. If you're interested in that, I'm off my softball fix, but but just to slide that in, Tempe Regional starts on Thursday. Uh, SEC has seven national seeds, including six in the top ten. Kentucky just outside the ten spot, and then Alabama leading the way at number three. Florida at four. Oklahoma, the number one seed overall. UCLA, the lone Pac-12 school. Uh, as a top eight seed at number two. A lot of the Pac-12 coaches uh, were, were pissed about that, saying they had a better year than where they were seated and where they were placed uh, in regionals. But uh, you can look up, uh, read up on that if you'd like. All right, Serbs, I think we did good work today, man. Conference tournament week uh, is here for some, and for most, uh, it continues next week. The end of the regular season across college baseball is here, and the postseason is upon us. So he's Michael Serber on Twitter, at L underscore Serberino. I'm Kyle Schasberger at Kyle Schass. Follow us on Twitter at CSNowTweets. And until we join you again, uh, maybe a little earlier next week with conference tournaments starting up. Hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the weather. We'll get back with you next week. College Sports Now, College Baseball Edition. We're done. Bye.